Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I've said this time and time again. Oxley Chamberlain is a West Brom legend. He just doesn't know it yet. <laughs> yeah, they've changed the red. People prefer the red, from what I can tell. But the collar, I don't know. It's like red and white. I don't know. It just looks a bit out of place to me. But it's all right. It's fine. I mean, you know, it's red and white. It will do. Is it is it darker than the Liverpool one? No, no. It's I don't the, know. Because the imagine, Liverpool kit looks fantastic, even though I, I oh, don't like yeah. that kit. So if you imagine the Arsenal badge, it's the right side of the Arsenal badge, I believe. Yeah, uh, because it's like two-tone Yeah, badge. that's right. Yeah, of the two-tone badge, it's that's the, right. the darkest side of two-tone badge is that shade of red. You know, Manchester United are like yeah. a two-tone jersey this season, which was weird. Yeah, yeah. Carl, are you an Arsenal fan? No, as you can tell by my strong Mancunian accent, I support Manchester United. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, this is the Talking Tactics Podcast. What's going on, guys? We're in here for a second time this week. Um, I'm Daniel Taluk. I'm the very sweaty Carl Anker. <laughs> and I guess in Have Host Place, um, we have Bleach Report, ESPN, aka Gunner Blog. Arsenal writer with us. He can introduce himself as <laughs> James McNicholas. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. No man, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. So, kind of continuing our writer series, we've had Paula Sorjan, Raj Baines, um, Stephen Tudor talked with us about Manchester City um, on Tuesday. So we have James in. So where can the people find you quickly? They can find me. I'm on Twitter. I'm at Gunnerblog. Uh, I'm also at James McNicholas. But if you want the football stuff, Gunnerblog's the best place to get it. And I'm all over YouTube. I'm on the Ask Cars podcast. Yeah, look me up uh, and, and check out my stuff. Yeah, do that. I will link James's details in the description of the podcast. Um, we are at Talking Tactics. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We have a YouTube page. It has like two videos, so don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> subscribe on iTunes. <laughs> Um, leave five star reviews and we'll read them on the show. But let's 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 get down to business. Now, I wanted to start with Wenger, right? <laughs> but in the United States, I was watching um the Confederations Cup. I watched the first half of the Mexico New Zealand game. I came here to record this. So I don't know what the score is. I have the TV off. Point being, Ian Wright is doing halftime coverage on American television this year. Um mm-hmm. and you know, he's he has swag, shall we say. He has the sauce, right? And I was watching it. <laughs> and I, I was born in 1990, so I am 26 years old. I turned 27 at the end of August. And I thought to myself, if I was born in 1980 and had, and, you know, and had the kind of access to European football that I, ha- that I do now, um, which probably wouldn't have existed in the 80s because of the internet, Childish Gambino. <laughs> I think I might have been an Arsenal fan just based on Ian Wright. I, I wouldn't blame you. I mean, he's a big part of the reason I was an Arsenal fan. I was born 86, so I'm thir- just turned 31. And in the 90s, I mean, as a kid, I just completely loved Ian Wright. He was charismatic. He was a brilliant footballer. I loved him. And when he left Arsenal, I was bereft. I was gutted when he went to West Ham. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I adored him. I still adore him. He's a big Arsenal man still, and he's a great guy. So, oh, yeah. Carl, you said you supported United because of York and Cole being kind of like yep. black cultural figures. Did Ian Wright not figure mm. in that, or are we just too young for it, you think? He did. So, uh, what were, them? were they called Power Pods or before Power Pods? 
So there were these toy figurines you'd get, and I had I had an Ian Wright one. So I, I would never say I used to be an Arsenal fan. I was very much a fan of Ian Wright. Mm. He was the baddest man on the planet. He was a black guy, wore hat top, wore wore like high tops. He would dance when he scored when he celebrated. He had a gold tooth. <laughs> he, he came from the quote unquote bad area of London as well. And I thought Ian Wright was really really cool. But you know, also my dad was a Spurs fan, so I, you know I was never allowed to support Arsenal. I was. If anything, a fan of Ian Wright. You I got Andy saw, Cole, so I jumped on Andy Cole. Yeah, I, was, I saw him on TV. And I was just like, "Yo, if I was ten years older, there's no way you wouldn't have got got sucked into that." Especially like part of the reason why I started like in Chelsea. Um, one was the kit, like it wasn't red, so they were the best team on FIFA that didn't have uh, that played in England that didn't have a red kit. So that was like one check. Then Jimmy Floyd, and yep, then Floyd came. The yeah, and then money came, and then got Drogba, Essien, Diara, Maluda. <laughs> it's just a, a bunch of like people that look like me that were good at playing football. So I was like, yeah, yeah. It's interesting how like kind of cultural figures can shape where you go. Yeah, Ian Wright was a massive cultural figure in that respect, especially because his story was so unusual. Like this was a guy who didn't come through the academy system, who was playing like amateur football until his early twenties. And then made the jump to top flight football. I mean, I remember there was a song, there's a British like reggae band called Aswad, and they had a song called Shine, and it had like all these lyrics about black athletes in Britain who were successful. And I remember it had a lyric about Ian Wright in it. And like he was a really symbolic figure for a whole generation of people. And uh, yeah, I mean, probably my favorite Arsenal player of all time. Right over Henri. Interesting. Yeah, that, yeah that I think the- it's just my age. It's my age, you know, it's like when I was a kid, like when I first loved Arsenal fervently, mm. Ian Wright was the guy. But that's the top three. The top three is definitely that three of Wright, Vieira, Henri. And it kind of happened in that order. You know, Ian Wright, Patrick Vieira came in just as Ian Wright was on the way out. They had like a season together, I think, or maybe two. And then Henri came in a couple of years later. And I think once Henri arrived, that kind of took over. I love Burkamp. He was incredible to watch. But Henri was... Uh, just the athleticism, he was on another level for me. Ah. But I think maybe I'm in a minority there. I don't know. That's why it's interesting to me. The Arsenal fans I ground with are of the opinion on he's the greatest player to ever grace the Premier League and anything, uh, the opinion other than that is sacrilege. So, <laughs> on really one, Burkamp two as the best players ever in the Premier League and then, and then you can have whoever else. Uh, so yeah, I find that fascinating. Yeah, I just love Vieira. I mean, I thought he was like a one-man team at times. And there were games I saw where it felt like he turned the game like completely on his own. He was able to control the midfield unlike anyone. I think, you know, Roy Keane at United at that time was kind of similar in that respect. But, yeah, I've always been a big Vieira guy. So there you go. Mm. So I'm going to try to link these two conversations together. So let's let's see how this goes. You said you spoke uh, at the Arsenal kit launch with uh, Robert Perez, and I've read reports. I think I saw something on Sky News where it was like Arsenal need to go in for Lamar Mbappe. Did did he say um, Usman Dembele? Did he say that? He said he named four players. He was like Dembele, Lamar, uh, Mbappe, Mbappe, and Lacazette, all young Oof. French players. Oof. Right yeah. now. Now, trying to use our brains logically here, there's no way Arsenal can get all four, probably not even three, probably not even two, right? But my point here, or the, the way I'm going to try to link these conversations is, going back to the Vieira point, Wenger knew, oh, for first off, am, am I right in assuming that Vieira was a Wenger buy? Yeah, it, technically, Arsene Wenger wasn't actually the Arsenal manager at the time. He had signed a contract to take over, but right. uh, there was a caretaker manager while he finished his contract in Japan. But yes, he he instructed the club to buy Patrick Vieira from AC Milan. Yeah, right. So has Wenger lost? Do you think has Wenger lost some of his French connections in order to get young players or talented players from league? Uh, the way he did with Vieira. Um, obviously, Henri was at Juventus, so maybe that's a bit different. But he knew him from Monaco, etc. Do Do you think he's lost? Kind of. Anelka, 
do you think he's lost some of that knowledge just being in England for 20 years that he just doesn't know what's coming? Or is it just a case of Arsenal can't attract those players, even if he does know? I think he has a bit. I mean, if you think about it, that France team now has got so many talented young players. I mean, Pirro's named a bunch of them then. And none of them really are at Arsenal. If you look at the France team, the older players, Koscielny, Giroud, they're both 30, 31. So the young French talent isn't really coming to Arsenal anymore. I think maybe he's lost something in terms of his relationships and the scouting network. But I think more than that, it's that other clubs are doing that business now. You know, the Real Madrid's, the Dortmund's, they're prepared, even the PSG's, they're prepared to go and pay good money for young French talent because they know it's such a rich pool. Uh, I mean, even look at Man United. United have got uh, Pogba there, Martial there. Uh, you know, years ago, those players would have been at Arsenal, but it's not the case anymore. So, yeah, I think I think Arsenal have lost a little something in that respect. I wouldn't say Wenger doesn't know any of these players because months after any player breaks onto the world scene now, we get a report from Wenger saying, oh, yeah, you know, I tried to buy him. <laughs> you, can, you can field several 11s of players Wenger has allegedly the, the attempted Ar- to buy. Arsenal's him. almost like, 11s. We know he tried to get uh, N'Golo Kante. We know he was aware of uh, Mbappe. Um, I think '97, it was all right to go scouting in the French leagues because no one really knew about the French leagues other than in Marseille. There was no uh, European heavy hitters in the Champions League that were from France, whereas now, obviously, France are world champions. They're consistently one of the best countries. French football is more of a known entity. You're not going to get... Des Lynham butchered Thierry Henry's name when he signed to Arsenal. I think Des Lynham called him Thierry Henry. Um, that doesn't happen anymore. The world's a lot smaller. I think, and this is the thing with all of Arsenal. All the, the former things that Arsenal were known for in the 90s and all their edges have now gone because everyone else has caught up. Mm. Wenger isn't the only person who's banned pizza. Every Premier League team's now banned pizza. So that's one extra edge that's gone. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think basically that hits the problem on the head it's not that Arsenal have lost something it's that other clubs have caught up uh, and that goes for talent acquisition fitness tactics you know Wenger's methods have become a, a little tired a little dated and unlike Sir Alex Ferguson say he's not as good at reinventing himself at surrounding himself with fresh ideas and fresh people you know so so do we think Wenger's is it 21 or 22 seasons now do, do we think having power that long can, makes you jaded, perhaps, or just ineffective? Yeah, I don't know. He loves it. He loves <clears> it. He gets up for it every day. Still, It's still his biggest passion in life. I think it's, he's dedicated his life to the game. I don't think he feels less. I think, if anything, he seems more animated now, more desperate to win, more eager than ever before. Uh, but I think, I think any business... It's rare to see someone at the top for 20 years in one job. I think it's hard to sustain performance over that long. And I think it's possible that his messages aren't getting through to the players in the same way they once were. In terms of energy, he's remarkably uh, <laughs> invested for someone of his age still. Yeah. How, yeah. how old is he? How old uh, is he? Late 60s, 67, 68 maybe? 67, 67. Yeah. 67. <laughs> so and they asked him very recently what he did for his birthday. And he said, I was in my hotel room and I was watching Champions League under-20s. You know, he was watching UEFA under-20s game. Like, he lives and breathes football. And his, you know, his love of Arsenal has cost him his wife, more or less, when I've had enough of doing this because now our daughter's gone off to university and you're still Arsenal manager. When, when are you going to put the family first before Arsenal? And Wenger is very much uh, to keep doing this because he enjoys doing this. I think something that you find very interesting is the amount of players that refer to Wenger as a father figure, you know, mm-hmm. who even leave after somewhat acrimonious circumstances. So Adebayor calls him a father figure, uh, Sanya called him a father figure, Klishi called him a father figure, uh, I think Nasri called him, described him as like a father as well. And these are all players that have left and have left and, you know, gone on to, well, debatably gone on to do bigger things and win more titles, but they all describe Wenger as more than a manager and like their dad. If you remember how, uh, so the story of how Arsenal got Mesut Ozil 
came from, I think it was the 2010 World Cup when Ozil was still at um, Werder Bremen. Wenger more or less called him up. I had a very long conversation with him in German and basically said, well done. Um, I think you're a very impressive player. Interesting to come to Arsenal. And Ozil more or less said, thanks for the, you know, whatever. Thanks for the interest. But I've already committed myself to go to Real Madrid. But if anything happens, I'll let you know. And then when Real Madrid want to get rid, Wenger again calls him up and has a conversation in fluent German. And then Bob's your uncle. You've got one of the best number 10s in the world because, because of this fatherly relationship Wenger has with his players. He's a one-off. And he's very much, in my opinion... He's the last of that sort of manager. When Wenger goes, you won't get a manager that does everything root and branch anymore for that long. I mean, the closest we've got now is Pep. And Pep says he can't do a job for more than three years because of his hair turns grey. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really interesting what you say and what you must say about Ozil. Funnily enough, I was talking to Perez today. When he joined Arsenal in 2001, I think it was, or 2000, he had a choice. He could go to Juventus, Arsenal, or Real Madrid. And Pires, his mother, I think, is Spanish, and he grew up as a Real Madrid fan. And he had the chance to go there. But he said his conversations with Arsene Wenger in that period of time were so persuasive and so convincing. And he had so much had the, this belief in this manager that he chose to go to Arsenal instead. And for a guy to give up on a dream like that, to go to Arsenal to work with this manager... He must have something very special when it comes to those one-to-one relationships with players. Mm. So, do you remember the reports that happened maybe sometime mid-season, January, December times maybe, where Sanchez and Ozo hadn't signed a contract and the the reports were very much tied to the, to them signing extensions if Wenger stayed another year or two. So, so do we think now that Wenger has his contract extension that the Ozil-Sanchez contract extensions for Arsenal are more of a formality, or do we think that they are legitimately in danger of being snipped by Bayern or City or Chelsea or Juventus, say? I think it's a very real danger for Arsenal, particularly in the case of Alexis. You know, I know we talk about Ozil as one of the great number 10s, but you don't hear many stories about clubs wanting to take him this summer. I don't mm. think there's huge outlay. If you think about the fee and the wages, I don't know if people are queuing up to take Mesut Ozil, but personally, I don't hold any truck really in that story that contracts for Alexis and Ozil are dependent on us and Wenger. I think it's more likely to be about money, and I think it's more likely to be about competing for trophies. Uh, and when I say trophies, I don't mean the FA Cup. Mm. in the Premier League <laughs> Champions. It, it looked very much... Well, for starters, let's, let's preface this with, we talk about Arsenal a lot on this podcast, and I spent most of this season <laughs> saying this is this is the year where Wenger should probably leave. Um, and I still believe that. I think if it was any other top six club, I think Wenger would have been sacked midway through the season. Uh, I still think you know they're massively underachieved based on their squad. And... I can imagine this is the summer where Wenger goes all out and starts spending silly money either this year or next year while we find a successor. Wouldn't be surprised if Sanchez left this summer. He's no, who he is. He is who he is and he very much wants to win titles and I think he deserves... Well, I don't, I don't like using the word deserve. I think he can quite rightly say, I've been doing X for this club and it's not being paid back and I would like to leave and go to a Bayern Munich or a PSG or a possibly even in Manchester City. Um, and I also think that's the bigger blow to Arsenal. Like, like you've touched on, there aren't many clubs queuing up to buy Ozil. I think there's not many clubs in the world that Alexis Sanchez wouldn't immediately improve. Yeah, agreed. He can go anywhere he wants to go, basically. Hmm. Well, is it in Sanchez's nature, do you think, James, that, that he could go to City, like an in-Premier League rival? Yeah, I think it is in his nature. I don't think he cares, really. <laughs> I don't think he's like... I think, you know, he's quite a selfish player. Like, I know he works hard for the team, but even when he's on the pitch, he gets frustrated with his teammates. He often shoots when he should pass. His decision-making can be quite erratic. He's always focused on on his individual attainments and achievements as well as the team. And uh, that pays dividends. That does pay dividends. But I think... 
I don't think he, yeah, I, I think his affinity for Arsenal is not enormous. I think he would happily go to, say, a Manchester City uh, or maybe even a Chelsea. Um, so, I, And I think Arsenal will be mindful of that. And if Bayern Munich, say, show any interest, they'll be much more prepared to deal with them. I think even if it costs them some money, they would rather he went outside the Premier League. Mm. What do you think? What do you think his number is? If but he's this is going to be his last major contract, so I don't think you're going to see like ninety or eighty or anything like that. But if he does go, what are you? What are we looking at? Like a clean sixty? Arsenal might struggle to get above fifty, but you know, if he had four years on his contract, he's worth as much as anybody. He's worth eighty or you know whatever because his productivity is incredible. Thirty goals, fifteen assists last season uh as as an arsenal guy i hope that he they can get north of 50 for a player of that caliber mm. speaking of hope what is your hope for jack wilshire <laughs> if if you have any i don't like saying this but i don't have that much left to be honest and jack wilshire excited me more than any teenager i've ever seen I, he, at 16 years old he was unlike any English player that I've watched. So, I mean, maybe the exception is Rooney, but so gifted. Um, but, you know, he went on loan to Bournemouth. And for me, he looked like a Bournemouth player. Yeah, I think the damage is done for Jack. I think he'll be sold this summer if they can find someone willing to pay his wages, which, you know, I'm sure someone upwardly mobile, I think like a West Ham, someone like that. And it saddens me to say that now. Yeah, yeah, I, I, you know the 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 loan experiment this season was to see if away from the spotlight could Jack Wilshere get a full season of fitness and what he can do with that full season of fitness, and he he had some half decent six and a half seven out of ten experiences for Bournemouth as their ten and you know that Bournemouth late uptick in form came after his injury. I still think he's probably going to stay if only because Wenger it seems to show. You know, because he's described as a dad, he seems to show up loyalty a bit too much to some of his players. Let's remember, Theo yeah. Walcott's been playing for Arsenal for a decade now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there have been the several injury-prone midfielders. You know, you think back, Abu Dhabi was one, Thomas Rizitsky, yeah. Yeah. Uh, another, Mikel Arteta, yeah. uh, and Kazola is into that territory as well. Players who maybe were kept on past the point where they were really reliable. I think you're absolutely right, Carl. If Wilshire stays, you have to consider him a bonus player, like a player who, if he's fit, okay, great, but you can't count on him because every single year he has these problems. And more than that, I think he's had so many injuries now that I think he's he's never going to be the player he looked like he might become. And that's no, a, that's a real shame. because He's not going to have that 2012 performance against Barcelona where everyone was waxing lyrical that he's the English Xavi, fortunately. And his birthday's January yeah. 1st, 92 or 3, I he's think. 92. Anyway. No, he's, he's 92. So he's 92. He's 25. His age is a lie then. So it, it says 25. But really, yeah. with the injuries and you know the, the recoveries that you have to go through to get back from those, he's not really... He doesn't really have the potential of a 25-year-old anymore, does he? It, it goes one either way. You, you can either describe him as a young 25 because he hasn't got the necessary miles on the clock, or you can describe him as an old 25 in sort of the Rooney style where he seems to have loads of miles on the clock because, one, he started very, very early, and two, he's ground his body down to what sits in sawdust. Um, <laughs> very interesting I mean, transfer season because there are a number of players in the Arsenal team who this is it. You know, you'd expect if it was another top six manager, they'd been sold. I've said this before on, on uh, the Squawker podcast, but what is the point of Kieran Gibbs? Monreal was on a downward turn this season. Like, if this was the season where Kieran Gibbs was meant to step up and confirm his place as a left back for for Arsenal, and he didn't do it. Carl Jenkinson's coming back from loan to Arsenal right now. Like, why is he still on Arsenal's books? very easily can see what he'd been sold off to Everton right now. The big thing he was talking about for years and years and years was Wenger was saying, while we build the Emirates Stadium, I'm going to create sort of a British contingent of players. And then this contingent was meant to be like Wilshire, uh, Walcott, these like British homegrown birth through whatever, you know, half academy system 
that Arsenal had were meant to take Arsenal through the fallow years and kick on. Um, and they never came to fruition. You know, Wilshire got broken. Gibbs never turned out to be whatever. Walker, Walker is encapsulates everything that is about Arsenal. He's great on some days and he's terrible other days. Like Ramsey can be good sometimes, but I don't think he's ever going to be the best player at Arsenal. And now you've got Wenger being a dad again, going, I don't know what Grant, what Zaka's best position is, even though I spent £35 million on him to give this summer uh, from the neutral perspective. Yeah, I look, and even from the subjective perspective, I think they are a frustrating because team. All the pieces, They're a really frustrating team. All the pieces for competence are there. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, the good news is for you and for me is that they've signed uh, Kolasinac, the, the left back from Schalke. So I think that's the end of Kieran Gibbs. I hope. I hope this is the end. <laughs> <laughs> in a nice way. He seems like a good guy, but he hit a ceiling and he never passed it, basically. Speaking of wingbacks, is this Oxlade Chamberlain thing a thing? Is the 3 4 3 even a thing? Or is it, was that Wenger playing around or is he legit sticking with this? given how well it worked for Arsenal. Nine mm. wins from the final 10 games. They beat Man U. They beat, I mean, not a strong Man U, but they beat Man City. They beat Chelsea in the FA Cup final. Uh, I think they need to stick with it. And as for Ox, I, he definitely sees his future as a central midfielder. Anyone who saw him play there for England the other night against France might not agree. It was atrocious. He had a horrible It was game. atrocious. Yeah, he was really bad. I've said this time and time again. Oxley Chamberlain is a West Brom legend. He just doesn't know it yet. <laughs> yeah, maybe. He, well, the thing is, he had two years to go on his contract and they didn't offer him a deal. He wasn't deserving of one. And they were thinking, you need to prove yourself. And 12 months have passed by and he's done okay. He's done all right in, in a variety of positions. He's played on the wing, played wing back. But he wants to play in a regular position week in, week out. I don't think he'll get that at Arsenal. He's not good enough in any of these positions. He's not your first choice wing. He's not your first choice central midfield. Is he a light-skinned like James Milner then? Like No, no, no. no. I, th I think James Milner is underrated for his tactical nous and his short passing. Like Milner, when uh, Klopp went to Milner, I want to turn you into a left-back, Milner said, I think I'll get less of the ball that way. And Klopp went, trust me, you'll be fine. Whereas... From what it looks like to me, it looked as if Wenger saw what happened to Musa Dembele at Spurs. Chamberlain has similar athleticism. Let me try and do that to him. Because there was a point in time where he looked, he looked far more exciting on the wing than Theo Walcott. He was taking on people, he was cutting inside. If you remember the goal he scored in the community shield against Jose Mourinho's Chelsea. Mm -hmm. Best. But then when you put him in central midfield, he looks like he's trying to do too much. Isn't that a point where he really wants to play central midfield so he feel like he has to do more in order to prove himself there when he should just do the ABCs, one, two, threes of, of playing central mid? Maybe, it's, maybe. It, I think he forces the play. Yeah, if it does force the play a bit. And this is why I say he's a West Brom legend. I think if you took him and put him in a team like West Brom where he could be the nucleus of that side. And if he makes a mistake, it's not scrutinized and criticized. I think he could turn West Brom from a, a 13th place side to an 8th place side, just based on his output. Aaron Ramsey's problem is he should be the number 10 creative hub of a side, but he's not going to be there because Ozil plays ahead of him. What Aaron Ramsey can yeah. do when you make him the control center of a team in Wales. Like, he is fantastic as a 10. It's just the fact that the the problem with Arsenal is there are a lot of players who would probably be the star player, but are nowhere near good enough to be a, a one or a two option in a club that should be competing for the title. I think Wenger has that ability to get the extra 20% out of a player yeah. in the same way that Ferguson did or in the same way that Mourinho apparently has. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Oxlade-Chamberlain isn't good enough to be a starting central midfielder at Arsenal, but as a fan... I kind of hope he stays because he can cover you at left wing back, right wing back, central midfield. You know, I don't want him playing the biggest games, but in the Europa League, which we're going to have to play, domestic cups, he's a, he's a useful squad player. But I think his aspirations are higher than that. And if mm. Liverpool, say if Liverpool come in and say to Oxlade-Chamberlain, we can give you a game in central midfield every week. I think he should take that. I think that's a huge chance for him. If that's legitimate, then, you know, I can understand that decision. Mm, yeah.
you've described two or three players there as useful as backups. If your star players, which is Koscielny, Sanchez and Ozil play well, you tend to win a game. But if one of them is off, then hey, Havoc tends to ensue. That's it. That's it. But, you know, you look at a Chelsea team, for example, that won the league this season. Mm. Marcus Alonso, Victor Moses, you know, Matic. These aren't necessarily world, world, world-class players, but, but they are playing a tactical system that protects them and Conte's getting the best out of them. James, you forgot to throw Gary Cahill in that list of mediocre, <laughs> abject, yeah, that's a fair one. reject well. talent. Just make sure Gary Cahill's in that number. But go ahead. But he's a champion. He's a champion. And that's a credit yeah. to Conte, I guess. He's also yeah, he a 3 of 10 defender who's living on the, off the fact that he's English. Yeah, which Oxlade-Chamberlain is too, to an extent. Yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, but back to your point, James. You know, those guys, you know, is Victor Moses that much a better player than Oxlade-Chamberlain? I don't know. I probably don't see enough of him. But the team is so much more structurally sound mm. that his flaws are, are, are hidden. And I think that's a problem... You know, as great as Arsene Wenger is, and he has this mentor, and he has these sort of protégés, I think on the fine tactical elements of the game, I do think Arsenal have fallen short, and that has probably stunted the development of certain players. Yes. Like your Oxlade Chamberlain. Yeah. I mean, this, this is the thing. Like, Conte saw the weaknesses in his side and created a system to hide those. With Wenger, you, you don't really see him try and make, that, make those changes. I mean, the three at the back, was his first time doing it since 1997. Mm. And while it did work, if you look at the, like, the numbers behind it, you grossly outperformed expected conceded goals. I think you were meant to concede, like, you were meant to concede at least four goals within that period and you conceded barely any. That three at the back is not the... The three at the back is interesting because it has freed people like Ramsey and it has freed people like Oxley Chamberlain. But I wouldn't think... I wouldn't, I'd be reluctant to call it the silver bullet. I suppose my question to you as an Arsenal fan is, what do you think you need? Honestly, I, I have thought for about two to three years that the answer is that Arsenal need a coach. They have a great manager, okay. but they need a coach. Um, you know, I, I hoped that this would be Arsene Wenger's last season, not because I mm-hmm. dislike him or don't appreciate the work he's done, but because I think that uh, a new approach is is needed on the on the tactical front and i think that arsenal do not look as well drilled do not look as well prepared as the elite competition now and, and i think that that five percent that you talk about that ferguson five percent that Mourinho five percent i think there are coaches out there who could give that to arsenal and i don't any longer believe that Arsene Wenger is that guy but i say that you know reluctantly as someone who who hugely admires him so, so do you think now that you're kind of stuck with Wenger for the next two years at least? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you guys are going to be able to bounce back and get into the top four, especially considering that United are going to improve. Well, I, I guess United and who else? Liverpool would be your main contenders. There. Do you guys think, or do you think that you guys can get back in to the top four, especially now that you have the kind of Europa League handcuff? ball and chain Thursday, Sunday schedule to contend with. You're going to be going to Kazakhstan or wherever. So so do you think you can bounce back with those factors? It looks tough. I mean, I don't know if you've seen our fixtures, but we have six Europa League uh, group games. And after those, five of them are away from home. And they're against something like, you know, we've got Chelsea, uh, Liverpool, United. We've got like tough teams in those fixtures. United will improve uh, and they'll be pushing to get into the top four. City, I think, will improve. Chelsea will spend. Spurs are an interesting one because they've got to go and play at Wembley every week. How's that going to suit them? And, you know, how much money are they going to spend? I don't know. So, as good as Spurs are, I think they might have a tricky year next year. So, But I'm not confident. I think Arsenal have to take the Europa League seriously because, like United... I think it might be, uh, like United this year, it might be our best way back into the Champions League. So, Carl, Carl what, what, are you, what are your thoughts on this? you think, I suspect, as a United fan, I guess this would be a good question for you. Do you think it's wise for a team to put their eggs in the Europa League basket? No. Hmm. Again, I mentioned on the Squawker podcast around about 
the United victory over Chelsea, the 2-0. I said, I think that's pretty much it for Mourinho. I think he's going to prioritise Europa League and then he's going to go up to Edward and say, give me 300 million. Whereas it's very hard to wrestle the idea of Arsenal away from Arsene Wenger. Uh, I'm 26, so I, I was of the... Um, as a child, I thought they were named after Arsene Wenger. And I, you know, I think there are quite a few children out there that thought that that was the case. I thought, oh, this this guy's been here for so long. They must have named the club after him. They're going to have to build a statue of him. And the Premier League's going to be a poorer place for when Wenger leaves. Most of world football. I think Wenger's a fantastic uh, manager. I think it was he's done great things with football. I think he's a superb human being. He helped me through a lot of my degree because I used him as a great example of uh, immigration in the United Kingdom. But, but I also, agree, I, th- I, agree with all that. I think I also I, I, I don't think he's fit for purpose anymore. I think the problem I have, well, I've, as I said on this podcast before, I don't think he's fit for purpose. But also, I don't want him sacked because the shock might kill him because he's so old. That's an <laughs> awful thing to say. Yeah, okay. I, I remember the the when Ferguson retired and they went to Wenger. Why don't you retire? And Wenger said, Ferguson has his wife and he has horses. I have nothing but football. I don't want to say heartbreaking, but it was such a thing. Like this guy's put his blood, sweat, and tears into this project, and he's turned this club from what they used to be to this continental style, very expensive, urbane, North London style club. Technically, a father to thirty to forty players, and he can't do it anymore. You know, in the eighties when our league couldn't touch his finger, and he was still boxing. The greats don't know when the greats are done. It is tragic, that, I always think. Should Wenger prioritise the Europa League? Probably not. Is he going to do it? I, I, I don't know. I, can't, I, I honestly can't predict anything that goes on in that man's head because he is to a different era. He doesn't, he doesn't believe in football and pragmatism in the same way that Jose Mourinho does. He doesn't believe in tactical fouling in the same way that Klopp or Pochettino do. And that ideology is not fit for purpose in football anymore. So... You know, if you're an Mbappe or if you're a 16, 17-year-old kid who, you know, the very first tournament you remember is the 2006 Germany World Cup, he's from another age. Mm. Um, and I suppose he must be speaking another language now to, to other players. Yeah. On the Europa League point, I think Arsenal can probably afford to rotate the squad pretty heavily and probably still get out of the group stage. I think it's only once you're in the knockouts that you face a real decision on how seriously... You're going mm. to take it, and I think that's that's that was where it will get interesting for Arsenal. And a lot will depend on their league campaign. Arsene Wenger is such an idealist. When this season starts, he won't be thinking, "I hope we can break back into the top four. He'll, in his mind, he'll be thinking, "I want to win the Premier League." That's that will be in what's in his mind, 100. Mm. percent Yeah, I, I just kind of think Europa League is probably Arsenal's level. Uh, I mean, obviously Ouch. they they, <laughs> <laughs> they they earned it. It's not ridiculous. You know, they are four, there are four, possibly five better clubs in England than Arsenal now. No, 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 no. Yeah, like, yeah. They they could legitimately win the Europa League, and it makes they sense. Could. Like James said, I truly believe when Wenger says every year this is the best side I've had in years, I believe he believes that. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I do too. I don't think he believes it. There's no way he thinks this squad is better than the Invincibles. He he can't believe that. Like he he's gone from. So you think it's just a confident trick? You think he's just saying it to boost their? It's, it's their mind confidence? games. If, he's gone from Henri to Van Persie to Giroud, and he's gonna try to convince me that it's a better team. Yeah. Guys, what? He's, well, he didn't say the best team he's ever had. He said it's the best team he's had in years. And what? And I think something that we always, we, uh, you know, something I like to reiterate was the Invincibles was 2003, 2004. The Invincibles more than a decade ago. I think he also said uh, the best squad rather than the best team. And yes. I'm not sure that that's true even so, but if you look at the depth of this Arsenal squad, Wenger's uh, most successful squads have actually been very relatively shallow. Like he's not used more than about 20 players in his best best seasons regularly but this squad in terms of the size of it uh it, it probably has the best depth across different positions i know that might sound hard to believe but apart from up front you're right because in 2004 you had Henri burkamp wiltor Kanu. you know we had good strikers then 
So, Carl, you got anything else um, before we kind of get into these quick fire but not quick fire questions? Well, I, this is a very refreshing talk, James, because I think everything I've said, you said I agree. So it's my favorite kind of podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I do. And I, I guess that that's the thing about Arsenal. They're so frustrating. I think that even, even neutrals are kind of irritated by them because they see the potential of the club and the players and they admire the manager and they admire the principles behind the club and the kind of football they want to play and yet they can't seem to bridge that gap. And I actually think a lot of neutrals would like to see Arsenal go and win the Premier League. Obviously not a United fan and a Chelsea fan, but I think a lot of other fans <laughs> would probably like to see it and they'd like it for Wenger. You know, I think yeah. most people recognise he brought to English football. Um, but I don't think... I don't think in the modern era that he can win the Premier League. I really hope he proves me wrong, but I, I haven't thought that for a while now. To both of those points, Carl, you said earlier that you think Wenger's going to get a statue. If Wenger stays past his contract, let's say he gets three or four more years, wouldn't that statue he... become like, I, I don't know, it would be a like... Tyrant if, one? <laughs> Yeah, it's just like one, like, what's the World War II, like, when they tore down the statue of what's-his-face in Russia or whatever it is. Just, just like, something you look at and you're just like, yeah, I respect what he did for maybe the first 10 years or what, or what have you. But then the last 10, it, the statue would just feel kind of empty at that point. I, I feel like people would, like, defame it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, I, it, I've heard people call Wenger the Mugabe of Arsenal, and I wouldn't ever say... <laughs> I would never. I'm not going to call him a tyrant. Like he had, he had mitigating circumstances. The stadium. I know Arsenal fans talked about the stadium, but you know, if you look at some of the squads Arsenal fielded, uh, the early Emirates seasons. Oh my god! What we, you know, what other fans call the banter years. Like you're talking about Jerubi and Bad. Do you remember the years of Park Chu Young and Chamak? And, uh, and, yeah, and you know, some of the teams that Man United used to be able to beat Arsenal with because they were just so flimsy. And like I've said before, Wenger deserves a statue. I don't think there's any one person who's given more to English football than Arsene Wenger. I just, I, I don't, I don't Wenger, think it can be a big statue. It should be at least as nice as uh, Alex Ferguson's one. And that's not saying much because Ferguson's one isn't very nice. Um, <laughs> I think he deserves a statue. No, no, good. But I think in some ways it'd be more fitting a stand or part of the stadium after him because really the Emirates yeah. Stadium... It's kind of a monument to Wenger. You know, he, mm. he kind of made that happen. It was his vision. He helped the club see through that difficult period where they were quite financially restricted. Uh, and I think as difficult as it's been, you know, even last season, he won the FA Cup for the seventh time. Yeah. That is a, a record in English football. And I, don't, I can't imagine that being beaten, to be honest. I don't think managers have the longevity now to do that. Same, yeah. And uh, that, the unbeaten season... I think whatever happens in the next couple of years, in time, he will certainly be redeemed. As for my money, Arsenal's greatest manager. You think, you think time heals all wounds in that aspect? <laughs> I think so. And perspective. I think perspective will help. <laughs> Who writes a book? Oh, it's going to be pretty fascinating. I would, I would love it oh, yeah. if he would write a book. You should write the book. Do it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, someone should. <laughs> All right, so I have a I have a few quick fire questions here. We'll see what kind of rabbit holes we go down here. But uh, James, the time Arsenal made you the most happy? Oh, <laughs> sorry, Carl, but it was probably winning the league at Old Trafford because <laughs> new, because I know we no. I do you know what? That was pretty special. But there are a couple of things. Number one. We drew that game and they came back from 2-0 down to draw and that put a bit of a dampener on that day because they, you know, they got a point at least. And then we won at United. Wiltor got the goal. And I grew up so much on that United-Arsenal rivalry, Keane Vieira, Ferguson Wenger, that to me, that was, that was everything. So, yeah, that's the one that jumped out at me. Uh, the, the time Arsenal made you most sad... I mean, there's been a lot recently. <laughs> oh, man. There's so many recent ones. Um, a couple of years ago, Arsenal lost at Stoke. I think they lost 3-2. And it was the game where the fans 
were abusing Arsene Wenger as he was getting on the coach. They were like shouting to him to fuck off. Get, oh, sorry, I don't know if I can swear on the show. You can, you can, like, you can. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> and they were they were like telling him to get out of the club. <clears throat> it was kind of the first time it was that vociferous. It's happened since then. Mm. It wasn't so much the defeat, but it was the fact that I could see that the relationship between the manager and the fans was kind of broken at that stage. And, you know, I do think that's a terrible shame. And, and every time that rears its head, it makes me very uncomfortable and very sad that it's come to that. And that's why I wish gone out on a high earlier and uh, he wasn't experiencing some of the, the unrest that he is now. So I mentioned that one, yeah. And the Champions League final in 2006. Yeah. I know a lot. Yeah, people were still mad about that one. <laughs> <clears throat> it, it, yeah, it just came out recently that um, if, if Wenger had one game yeah. to take back, he'd take back the the Eto goal. So I saw that, but to be honest, I mean, I watched that game and I was in Paris, but I wasn't in the stadium. I couldn't get a ticket in the end. I was just in Paris in a bar. But even if Eto didn't score that goal, we were on the ropes by that stage. I I think they would have. I think they would have got us in the end. It was a long time to play with ten men, but yeah, you know, losing a Champions League final, oh, it's it, it it's not nice. It's not. Yeah, nice yeah. I, I was gonna ask, like, has football? I was gonna ask Carl too. Has football ever made you cry? It's obviously made me cry. And then the one time I can go back to is the the Moscow loss in two thousand eight. Keep Carl. <laughs> like yeah I, I legit I cried that time but you know that's the time maybe said I cried a lot when I was a kid I'm when England went out of Euro 96 and the World Cup 98 both times on penalties I was really upset about that uh, I don't think Arsenal made me cry anymore there's been too many things I'm kind of <laughs> immune to it now yeah your season your season I'm used to saying it alright I have a few more uh, the time Arsenal made you most angry uh Oh, angry. Or, or are you someone who can't be angry at the club? That like you just have so much love in your heart that being no, kind of I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. They do drive me mad at times. I'm just trying to think specifically of a time that made me really angry. Um, do you know what? I'm sorry to pick a very recent one, but I was really, really furious with the club <clears throat> this spring. The, the lack of communication and clarity about the situation of the manager. I thought it was really poorly handled by everybody at the club. And I think it put the team and the manager under huge pressure. And it invited mm. protests, it invited problems. I think it allowed certain players' performances to drop. I think it was really badly managed. And I think it was a little bit patronizing to fans as well in terms of, you know, they put out a statement saying, we'll let you know when we decide. Uh, and that's been a recent trend at Arsenal. They've been a little bit dismissive of the fans. Yeah, that I thought was really disappointing. And I hope lessons might have been learned because I know Arsene Wenger was not happy with the way it was handled. So, yeah, that's that's something that really pissed me off, to be honest. Um, if you could bring back either Tony Adams, Patrick Vieira, or Thierry Henry to the current Arsenal side, who do you pick? Oi. I think you have to say Thierry Henry, you know. I think you have to Ooh. say Thierry Henry. I know we can't defend, <laughs> but I kind of <laughs> think he was so extraordinary. I think if you've got an attacker of that calibre, you can dig yourself out of a lot of holes. I think Arsenal did dig themselves out of holes when Henry was there, and I would love to see him play I mean, if they stay with Meza Ozil and Alexis Sanchez, that'd be a, a great front three in the new system. So, yeah, I'll say Thierry Henry. See, I thought you were going to go with Vieira. Yeah. Look, yeah, I mean... It's, you can't really I go wrong it. with one of the three, you know. I love but. it. That's it. That's it. Well, I, I, I think on balance... Basically, I think Arsenal, more than anything this summer, need a number nine. I think that Giroud is a sort of squad player now, an effective sub. I really like Danny Welbeck, but I just don't think he's clinical enough. Uh, yeah, me too. I, I really, I think any fan who Welbeck plays your team, you love him. You love him because you can see that he gives everything. And, you know, obviously he was a United guy, but uh, he's the same with Arsenal, the commitments and with England. 
he just has everything, everything but the goal, really. I mean, he's, he just doesn't score enough goals. So I think Arsenal do need a number nine, and that's why I would say Henri. All right, so I, I have two more. Um, your favorite Arsenal Fan TV cast member, or do you have an opinion on <laughs> Arsenal Fan TV that would make it such that you don't have one? I think, uh, look, I think fans of other clubs enjoy Arsenal Fan TV more than Arsenal fans. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> but I can see the funny side of it. Uh, I can see that, you know, I, I I watch it and I watch it when we lose particularly like everybody else. I want to see these guys go on these big rants. And actually, even though I don't agree with them a lot of the time, I think a lot of them express their views uh, pretty well. But my favorite guy is just the guy who dances. What's his name? Do you know who I mean? <laughs> Kelechi? Is he? Yeah, yeah, Kelechi. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> I'll go for him. I'll go for him. But like, you know, and Robbie actually. Robbie, who runs it, is a really, really good guy. And, uh, mm. yeah, he's, he's very measured in the face of some extraordinary opinions. What about you guys? Who do you... Who do you... Uh, I would have said Claude for, like, the past three years, maybe. But then Troops came, right. and I, I, I like his vibe. Oh, Troops, so, yeah. So, Troops. Good. Who you got, Carl? Claude. I, I love Claude. I, I could write a dissertation about Claude. I've said, I've said it time and time again. If you gave me a time machine, I'd go back and write a dissertation about Arsenal Football Club. A case study for the recession and the effects of the recession on British men. Like, Arsenal Football Club, are what happened to all the British men after during the recession? I would love to read that, genuinely. Make it happen. <laughs> Do you think, I guess as someone who's not living in London, so I don't have access to, like, a bevy of Arsenal supporters... Does Arsenal Fan TV, if, if someone were to watch it kind of like week in, week out with every match, does it give us a false representation of the the general atmosphere at the club? I think it does, to be honest. So 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 just because it, think it's it... done by fans doesn't necessarily mean it's the would-be voice of the fans. I think that it reflects some of the kind of splinter groups within the Arsenal support but I think that inevitably it pulls towards the extremes. Mm. But that's what the, that, you know, as I was just alluded to, that's kind of what the whole of the Arsenal support is doing. It's becoming, I mean, it's kind of what the whole of culture is doing. The middle ground is being lost, isn't it? And people are going into their kind of extremist corners. And I think uh, you do see that reflected. I think at the moment, Arsenal fans are sort of more moderate generally than what you see on Arsenal TV. But... It has been interesting over the last five years watching the change happen and people's um, conservatism with a small C kind of shifting and people getting angrier and people becoming more outspoken. Um, I have my own point here. I, I, I used <laughs> to feel like it wasn't representative, mm. but I feel like it's becoming more and more and more representative. And if you need proof of that, look at the banners and the protests and stuff in the stands. But there's still yeah. plenty of people who don't get involved with that. So it's it, it, it's a vocal, it's a very vocal part of the fans that are that unhappy. So it's it's hard to tell mm. exactly. If you remember, I forgot who Arsenal lost to, um, but there was like a big, like a like a fight almost. I, I guess you could say where like Robbie got like pushed over by some guys. Or something. The Bayern. It was the Bayern loss. Was it? Yeah. yeah the Bayern loss was really dramatic in the reaction from Arsenal fans. Yeah, there was one guy just screaming on Arsenal fan TV, going, this is a disgrace. My son is going to have to go into school and everyone's going to banter him. Whereas back in the day, when I was an Arsenal fan in the 90s, I would be the one bantering everyone else. And I was like, ah, oh, like, you've got the divide of people who were there and were they don't mind not finishing without trophies because they remember Arsenal when they, weren't, when they didn't have all the trophies. East people that all they remember is Premier Leagues, FA Cups, and whatever. Oh, yeah, Arsenal fans who like jumped on a bit too late. Who all they all in their view, all their taste is disappointment. Hmm. All the yeah. interesting about Arsenal is they all the Arsenal has a very particular importance because of its place in North London. So it went from being a primarily, um, you know, correct me if I'm being wrong, from being a primarily Jewish area to being a primarily. Uh, uh, black and uh, South Asian area, and now it's being gentrified again because of you know money reasons. 
Um, so now it's going back to a more white, urbane, middle-class demographic. So you, you can see the Arsenal fan where all they remember is Vieira and Henri just screaming and shouting at an Arsenal fan who remembers Tony Adams. Because not only are they fighting for Arsenal, but they're also kind of fighting over like what North London is and represents. Very fascinating. Hmm. Yeah, and I think Arsenal, that, that cultural clash is so evident at Arsenal, you know, think of the discussion over the high ticket prices, the way certain fans are being priced out, or such a high proportion of the income of certain fans goes on attending Arsenal that inevitably when it doesn't pan out how they want, they're going to be upset about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and age is a big determining factor. You know, think how many Arsenal fans that you see active on social media have only ever known Arsenal under one manager. It's a huge, it's a huge proportion. And, uh, you know, if you remember the 70s, late 70s or periods in the 80s where Arsenal were less successful, mm. inevitably you're probably more inclined to be patient and more prepared to wait for those, that cycle to come around again. But if you grew up on the premise of, oh, this is Arsenal, we play the best football in the country, we go unbeaten, you know, this is our identity, you are in for a bit of a shock because it has been, it has been a dip over the last decade. Uh, just quick fire ones. Uh, Highbury or the Emirates? Oh, Highbury, definitely. I loved it. For a home kit? Oi, good question. Um, <laughs> what's the best home kit? Do you know what? Uh, I really liked the kit we wore in the Invincibles year, but I think it's mainly because of the team, to be honest. But I, it had the O2 logo. And I really thought that went well with the kit. It was a good, great sponsor for that kit. All right. Uh, worst signing? Uh, Park, I think. Sonogo? And... Whoa, 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 whoa. Not Sonogo. <laughs> there were a lot. The Bunty years <laughs> were fun. <laughs> for me, Sonogo, it's like he was terrible. Okay, guys, he was so bad. But it was a gamble. And he was a guy who had a really good record at youth level and it might have worked out and it didn't cost much you know so i'm like okay, okay. with that park okay. was like an established player who we went and bought and then we just never played him i have no idea what was going on there <laughs> and uh have you got a pick for youth player or reserve player who you think is gonna break out yeah i do actually i've got a few well I mean, I, I'm a really big fan. Of, I mean, he doesn't count anymore, but I'm a, I am a really big fan of Rob Holding. I think he was very good for Arsenal in the latter period of last season. He's got a lot to learn playing every week at this point. But I think he's a great signing and I think, he, I think he'll mature into a good defender. The guy who I think is really going to... Arsene Wenger's got his eye on getting him more games is Ainsley Maitland-Niles, who... Uh, oh, yeah. He's a midfield player. He was with the England under-20s at the World Cup. He's been out on loan at Ipswich and a couple of other places. He started as a winger, but he's now more of a holding midfield player, actually. He uses his stamina in the centre of the park. Very tidy on the ball. Amazing reserves of energy. Um, I think Arsene Wenger really likes him a, uh, you know, in the domestic cups. He played a bit last season, but I think he'll get more time Arsmega's spoken about giving him more time next season. I think he's not spectacular, but I think uh, he could have a really good future. All right. Um, well, I'm thinking then that there. Nice hopeful note. Yeah, you go. A young English player in years to come will be talking about him like Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not to end on a bad note, Carl, because I did have one left over, and we're going to end on this. Where do Arsenal finish next season? And I need a number. Ooh. Ooh. I'm going to be an optimist and say, I mean, this is optimism now, but I'm going to be an optimist and say we'll reclaim our rightful position in fourth. <laughs> our destiny. All right, all right. Yeah. But, but if you were looking at it from like brutally realistic or... Let the man wait, wait, say wait, fourth. Wait, wait, well, you know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to make you do that, James. I can be the you're negative person and say you're going to finish in sixth. You... Do you think? You get to re- prove me wrong. I, I, I think... Fifth or sixth again, for, it, simply just because of Europa League. I wanted, and, and the point that you had earlier, 
where the fixtures after Europa League are fairly hellish. Um, I can see Arsenal dropping points, um, a lot of them. Okay, I'm sticking with fourth now. Then, if you're saying sixth, I'm saying fourth. Let's 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 do Good. this. Good, good, good boys. We will have you on again. Maybe we should make a a, a friendly wager on something whenever I get out to London. <laughs> uh, so yeah, okay, James. Fair enough. James, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Hopefully, we will do it again. Yeah, where where can the people find you again? Just quickly. Find me best place is at Gunnerblog on Twitter, and I link to all my articles and stuff from there. So yeah, check me out there. It's yeah, so a cool. Follow James on uh, at Gunnerblog. Carl, give your details. At Anchorman six one six. I am at Daniel to look. We are Talking Tactics. Uh, you can follow at Talking Tactics on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Third member is not here, but you can follow Half Hope at Half Hope Hunt, and he does the Half Hope Football Hunt on YouTube. So check that out. It's a pretty funny guy. Uh, yeah. Thanks again for coming on, James. Um, it was a really good talk. Yeah, Talking Tactics, sometimes funny. Sometimes serious. But always football. Thanks for listening. Peace. Podcast Network.